Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be talking about some August books that we're really looking forward to reading. And we're also going to be taking a look at some of the places where we get our recommendations. Uh, I know that a lot of times we try to see what's going to be coming out ahead of time so that we can get everyone prepared. So we're just going to share some of our favorite sources for figuring out what books are coming out and what we might be interested in reading. Because as Gail has pointed out, we have a lot of new listeners and we haven't done a show like this in a while, I don't think. And things have changed since the last time we did this. That's true. For me anyway. Yeah. Let's get started with... Um, Okay. Gail, do you have any updates for us? I am almost finished with a book called How Not to Die Alone by Richard Roper, which is fine. This is about the guy who lives in England and his job is to go into the homes of people who've died without leaving a next of kin. And he's to go in and sort of research and see if they can find anybody who might be related for purposes of the estate and the funeral and all of that. And he's like a total loner and he, you know, has has only a sister who he's estranged from. And it's just kind of about like him trying to learn to connect. And I mean, I think he's supposed to be, I don't know, maybe I read somewhere that he's like supposed to be on the spectrum. He doesn't seem to be at all. He's just, he's just kind of a loner. And it's sort of like gentle humor. There's not a lot of drama in it. And it's not really like, it doesn't move that fast, but it's fine. I'm almost done with that. And I'm still, um, I'm still reading Bad Blood while I dry my hair. I read it in like five page increments every day. So it's taking me forever, but you know, whatever. I'll, I'll get there eventually. Okay. For some reason, it doesn't seem, it lends itself fine to drying my hair, but I don't think I would pick it up like before bed or on the subway or something like that. I don't know why. People really love Bad Blood and they say it reads like fiction and like can't put it down, yada, yada. I don't, it, I'm, I, I mean, I find it interesting, but I, like I'm not finding it as irresistible as I think other people have. Yeah, I tore through that book. Oh, that's right. You loved it. I guess I feel like it's such a theme, like, you know, the, the wrongdoing on behalf of Theranos and behalf of Elizabeth Holmes is so and pandemic or like intrinsic that it doesn't, it doesn't change. Like it's, I mean, let me, is it going to change drastically as I read it? I mean, I don't know because I just, just the way that you're reading it in five minute increments, blowing your hair, blowing, blow drying (laughs) your hair. I don't know that maybe you would need something different. I just don't think, I mean, I could never concentrate on a book like that or get drawn in, sucked in by that. So I feel like I can't even compare the experiences or say how it might change because, yeah, you're reading it five pages at a time. I don't know how compelling right. anything would be if I were reading, if only reading <laughs> it five pages at a time. So, But here's my question for you. Am, am I reading it... F- is is the degree the way in which I'm reading it a function of me relegating it to that time of day, or is it the book? Like, like I said, there was I, I couldn't find. I was reading a book the other day and I couldn't find it, and so I, but I wanted to read for you know 20 minutes before bed, so I grabbed blood, bad blood from the bathroom and brought it to the bedroom, and I tried reading it there, and like it's I sort of feel like I've relegated to that for a reason because I'm not. It's not grabbing me at at the other times that I would like to be reading. Well, did you start off that way? I mean, I just feel like anything that you're just like, well, I'll read it for five minutes while I'm blow drying my hair. Then. No, I don't think I did start that way. I'm going to pick up this book when I wander into the bathroom. I'm not. I just don't (laughs) know. 
It just does not seem like yeah. it was no, high I don't think on I your start, list no, of priorities. No, I didn't start it that way. maybe you read it because, I mean, how fully interested were you were, were you in reading it? Like the topic I mean, very, itself. because, yeah, I like the topic. I like the topic, and I... Maybe you just don't like you it. You know, any... I mean, it doesn't have to be as compelling. It. <laughs> it doesn't have to be as compelling for you as it was for other people. I didn't, True. you know, the science didn't bother me or whatever. I think that I understood the structures. Like there were some things that were frustrating about the, the way he had to choose the story because, of course, Elizabeth Holmes wasn't participating in it. But just right. I was fascinated by the facts that were presented. And I I thought it went pretty quickly. But you, I, you're just reading it from such a distracted state. I don't know whether it's the book or whether it's just you've decided to mm-hmm. read. I mean, because this is not becoming. I mean, Michelle Obama's book, you can read that while you're drying your hair and be super interested. Oh, my God. I mean, Michelle's book, I, I read. I took it in the shower with me. Like, I, I couldn't put but it But these down. are very different I books. couldn't get enough. This has, like, lots of science yeah. and lots of tech and just technical details because he is stringing together I guess the narratives and depositions of lots of different people so I think it's unfair um... to the book to compare (laughs) it to your experience of reading Becoming while blow drying your hair because I think that that's just a more accessible compelling type of book well, I don't. I don't mind the technology, uh, and I don't mind the legal stuff and the patent stuff and the. I think we talked about this before, and you made a good point, which is he didn't interview her, so it's it's a very journalistic right, and he's a journalist um, approach. Yeah, and I think like for me, the narrative is very much driven by time as opposed to by plot. Because it's because it's nonfiction and it is about what happened. But I guess, like, if it just, and, and I think like the fraud committed by Theranos is, it doesn't change over time. Like they, she did the same. She perpetuated the same lie on many audiences and and many victims. And it so it felt like I'm just sort of like okay, when do we get to something bigger? Like, when do we get to something that's going to change? Like, when does she get exposed by someone other than, like, a whistleblower within the company who then gets fired? I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think that that was the most compelling part of it is that she didn't do anything different. If anyone had just – I mean, it's not like – I think the really interesting thing about this book to me was that she did not do anything special. She did not at some point – it was not sophistication. It was just the simple fact of these people – were dazzled by her for whatever reason, you know, it's pointed out that most of them were older, mm-hmm. you know, older men, she's like the daughter, they never, she's had. The daughter they never had, or, you know, maybe she's a daughter and the mix of something else kind of flirtatious. But yeah, I mean, it was just the fact that man after man, after powerful, smart, successful, whatever you want to call them, just didn't do any due diligence on this woman. She walked in, she batted her eyes and was like, oh yeah, this. And they said, yeah, okay. And the fact that other people just fell in line just because, just because someone else signed off of on it and just did not do any kind of investigating for their own self. It was like, oh, Henry Kissinger, whoever is involved in this, so I want to be. Or the guy from Walmart, the head of, they're getting in on this, so I want to be in on it too. And it was just interesting Mm -hmm. to me that human nature seems to be, I want to do what these other powerful people are doing, not so much does this even make any scientific sense? Mm -hmm. Does this make any kind of sense? So I think the nature of the book is that it, no, it doesn't change. She does this to everybody. And no matter how close she is to getting caught or or how much she's not even giving people information that they need to do to provide her with clearances or whatever, that this still worked. Now, what is that a function of sexism, privilege, you know, just a whole bunch of things that this could happen. But to your point, it's no, it's not going to change. There is not some big thing that that is going to change. I think she was running something very basic and just mm-hmm. the people who should have known better for whatever reason, decided not to know better. Well, there's a lot of greed 
by people beyond her. Like that not only were they dazzled by her, but like you were saying, they didn't want to miss out or they felt like this was going to be, you know, the Safeway guy was like, this is going to be what will save Safeway. And I'm going to make a lot of money because I'm going to turn things around. So like every, everyone is sort of like has these motivations to, to make money and get rich and be the hero. And they saw that in her too. Right. Yeah. All right. You've inspired me to find a different place in time <laughs> to read this book and then see if I, I feel mean, any like- differently. Cause I mean, I'm definitely re I'm definitely absorbing it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm absorbing it slowly. Yeah, Gail, I don't know. It's like saying, okay, I have this five minutes while I'm blow drying my hair. <laughs> and you, then you're like, but it's going so slowly. Well, it's really more like 20 minutes because I'm a lot of hair. But yeah, <laughs> it is, right. And <laughs> a little more than five. But I know, I, I hear you loud and clear. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think you're absorbing it. You think it's interesting, but it's it's not it's not good enough to bring out of the bathroom and it's, and like you said, Michelle, you just (laughs) carried with you everywhere. So it's not like she was just in the bathroom, but it seems like bad blood is just like, okay, I'm going to flip these pages and read this while I blow dry my hair. And that's what it gets. Yeah. 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 Poor bad blood. (laughs) But I mean, to be, to give bad blood credit, I didn't, I bought it as a gift for my husband. So I never actually, it wasn't like I, set out like you said in the beginning i wasn't like i set out like oh i've got to get bad blood i bought it for him and then did he read it no <laughs> he doesn't really read and then i you know i needed a nonfiction book although i've kind of already hit that for my reading challenge but i figured i would another one wouldn't hurt and so i just said oh you know i want to see what the fuss is about with this so like i picked it up kind of on a whim mm-hmm. i think that's one of those things that i had mentioned earlier before that i was going to stop doing with reading is to stop reading by weeding out books because sometimes I will choose a book solely because, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this or I don't think I'm going to find it engrossing. So let me just see if I read a few pages and if I can put it down and then maybe I'll end up reading it as opposed to this is a book that I've been anxiously waiting to read and I want to read this, you know, right. It just like, I guess approaching it from desire as opposed to what can I let go of? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that's very good advice. I've lately, I feel like I've been in a bit of a reading slump and it's because the books I've been reading, I feel like are falling more into that second category than the first. Right. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to reverse that trend because it's showing in my enthusiasm for the books and in the time I'm giving to them. And we tend to do stuff like that. So I don't know what it is about wanting to keep up with other people or whatever. I think I've been much happier with all the books as I look at the recent books that I finished or read. They've been books I've really enjoyed because I was looking forward to them coming out and it wasn't like, oh, everyone is reading this. Let me see what it's about or let me see if I'll like it too. They were books as I look Mm -hmm. down my list, it's been the Need, Three Women, Karen Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls, which I thought was super slow, but well-written. The Traveler's Trust Exercise. So these were books that I picked up because they had premises that were appealing to me. They were things that I was looking forward to. And whether I loved, you know, I didn't love everything, but certainly I was invested because they were actual books that... I had selected and wanted to read as opposed to, mm-hmm. oh, I've heard so much about this. Maybe let me see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Cause there was a certain That's level nice. of unhappiness that was with that, you know, when you're picking up a book and you're turning pages and you're just like, not only do I, am I not really that into this, but I don't know that this is something I even would have read in the first place. Yeah. All right, what are you reading? I am reading this book. I I don't remember if I, I feel like I may have mentioned it briefly. It was for my in-person book club, which they've already held the book club and I didn't make it to, but I want to finish reading it. It's called Tuesdays in 1980 by Molly Prentice. 
And so it's set in New York in the 1980s. It follows a collection of people, an art critic who has, uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, synesthesia, I think it is. You know, when you see Mm -hmm. color for words, uh, it's about this young Mm -hmm. artist who has come to to town from, I think he's in his sister and his family might be from, it's either Argentina or Colombia. No, yeah, it is Argentina, Buenos Aires. So he has immigrated from there and it's about another young woman that he meets. So it's the background of their dreams and it says a tragedy strikes, which, you know, of course will force them to deal with all of their relationships. This book is interesting because the artist who comes from Argentina The novel begins with his sister who's mourning his loss. She has, she had recently been married and had a child and her brother had gone to New York City or gone to somewhere in America. I don't know if she knows where he went because of this relationship that she started. But something happens to his sister in the beginning of the novel. What happens to her, we don't discover. She's someplace, an event takes place, but you're not sure what the outcome is for either her or her son. And then it goes to New York where we see how her brother has established his life among these, you know, this vibrant art population in New York in the 1980s. And of course, New York in the 1980s is just a much grittier place than the New York of today. But it's really an Mm -hmm. interesting ensemble that I'm enjoying. So I'm looking forward to reading that. And they compare this to, which is kind of interesting because I never finished A Visit Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. And I've read some Mm -hmm. of Jennifer Egan's books I've really loved and some of them I really have not liked. So when I saw that comparison, I was a little bit skeptical, but so far I'm really enjoying it. I saw that book when it came out, and I was intrigued, just certainly by the title alone. Um, and I'm I'm interested to know what you'll think of it. Yeah. So far, so good. I mean, I like the writing and stuff. I mean, it's not a book. So far, you know, I don't know. I don't know the resolution of what went on with his sister in Argentina, and I'm not sure what will lead to either him figuring out that there's something amiss or what the tragedy is yet. So... So far, it's it's really character driven more so than it is plot driven. But I'm I really want to see what's how it will develop. So the other book that I'm reading is More Than Enough by Elaine Walteroth, and it's a memoir of the I think she's like the youngest editor of Teen People, and she's I think the first African American editor. Was it Teen People or Teen Vogue? I think it's Teen Vogue because Anna Wintour is the one who gave her her start. So it's her memoir. And uh, it's funny, I learned about her in this book because Lydia Hurt is, she's on her team at, I want to say it's published by Riverhead. So she, oh no, Viking. So she went on book tour with her and she was posting outtakes of what was going on with Elaine on book tour. And they were really interesting. And I liked her Instagram and I liked her messages. So I am reading her book and it's for a book babes event in a couple Mm. of weeks. Is, Is it good? So far. Yeah. I'm not that far into it. She's just establishing her upbringing. You know, she was the child of, she has an African-American mother, and I think her father might have been, I want to say, Irish-American. And she was born in the 1980s. So it's just getting into the basics of the family. I'm not that far into it, but I've a number of people that I know have read it, and they've really liked it, or they've heard Elaine's speeches. And she's just one of these people that you hear her speak, and you're just really interested to read. So... I'm going to read that. Cool. Next up, what are we going to do? Are we going to talk about? Yeah. So let's talk about um, book discovery and how we hear about books. And they can be books that are upcoming, like, you know, coming out in the next month or coming out in the fall or whatever. So do you you mean like the sources or do you mean, I thought you meant more like book discovery in terms of where do we get 
books. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I meant. It was like, where do you feel like you're learning about books these days? Like, are you, um, like for me, I can say that there's really like a swirl of sources. It's not any one place. And sometimes the same book pops up in multiple places. And so then it kind of like reinforces into my consciousness. Um, but I mean, I think for me, like the two places that have really emerged lately that I'm finding the most recommendations for stuff or just hearing what people are talking about are, are Instagram and Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. The spy v club group and the book of the month group people just are posting in there so much about books and you know they may not be posting about books that aren't out yet although on like on the swap group there's people who get arcs and so sometimes things will pop up there that'll be the first time i see them or i guess book of the month people are generally talking about the selections for that month. Oh, we should do those. But Bookstagram. this month. I'll tell you what I, I got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, funny, I just listened to Sarah's Bookshelves interview with Siobhan Jones, who's the editorial director for Book of the Month, and they were talking about some of the August picks. Or maybe it was September. I don't know. But she was. they were talking I think about it was August. upcoming stuff. Those are really big sources of book awareness for me. And do you feel like that's changed? Because um, you, you said you feel like some of yours have changed. Yeah. I mean, I didn't used to follow Bookstagram that much. And that has certainly increased in the last year or so. Uh, you know, once you start following certain people that you know that you like their taste. And then when they've got, you know, when they're pushing books, then you start to notice it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that those two, I wasn't in any of those Facebook groups like this, probably this time last year. Yeah. Have those emerged for you or were they, are they as prevalent as they've always been? I have gone the opposite way and have walled myself off in a sense, partially because I have been like, I have just been super work focused that anything that I normally would be able to spend hours kind of looking at, I'm not able to, I just don't have the time to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Part of it was purpose, purposeful. I had said in the beginning of the year that I was going to be drawing back a little bit from Goodreads just for some of the things that you mentioned. I think from a marketing standpoint and from the way human brains work, I think the more that you see something is it's like false familiarity. Like if I see something mm-hmm. 20 times, you know, you see something on Bookstagram, then you see that book on Insta- on uh, um, Goodreads, then maybe it's a book of the month selection, and then maybe you see it in a magazine. I think whether you want to read it or not, you, it starts getting in your head. It's almost like you start mm-hmm. to believe that people have been telling you things about this book or that you should read this book. And it's artificial because, I mean, how many images can you scroll through and you see the same book that has been photographed so nicely on Instagram? It's like, ooh, maybe I want to read that book. And and I feel like I've been, like I was saying before with Bad Blood, how, you know, choosing books that I want to read as opposed to choosing books that I feel like I've seen all over the place and I need to read to be in some sort of water cooler type conversation or something. When mm-hmm. I don't do that, I just feel like I'm much happier. So I feel like not that I'm not on bookstagram, but I feel like the selection of people that I pick from are sources that we mention all the time, you know, people whose tastes that we trust so that I'm not just constantly exposed to a stream of pretty photos that make it seem like I have to read a particular book when it's not something that I want want to read. So I feel like lately I've been right. adhering a lot more closely to just my own taste and research from NetGalley and Idlevice. Like I said, those trusted sources mm. that, you know, where I feel like our tastes are similar to see what they're reading. And I am a big magazine. Like I, I just love the magazine roundups, you know, like, L usually has mm-hmm. six picks a month. And I think, you know, I don't usually like all of them. 
I stay away from their essays. Of course, I stay away from anything that says it's going to be funny. (laughs) Steer clear of those humor books. But I tend to, I think the literary fiction picks that come up and the mystery thriller picks that come up in in People, in Elle, in Vanity Fair are things that, you know, were probably on my list for my own research. And it's always interesting to see. I always pay attention to the millions when they have their list come out, usually either late December and probably one has come out already where they mention the books that they're looking forward to in the latter half of 2019. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are really good. good Yeah. They have good lists and they're usually on Goodreads, you know, like they have their, they post their lists as a list on Goodreads. So you can add easily. Uh, I think Goodreads, they do their seven great books or, you know, their seven picks every month that they're really looking forward to, you know, similar things. Like I'm not always, some of them I'm familiar with from my own research. So just depending on what's showing up on some of these lists might reinforce it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think I like electric literature to read their picks or whatever. So, but yeah, but just, I mean, these are the sources that I kind of look, look at and I use them, but I use them mainly to validate things. Like I said, I've all, I've probably already just taken a look, you know, six months in advance to see what's coming out, who are the authors that I particularly like if, if they're going to be coming out with a second, an author you like is coming out with a new book. Like, you know, Ann Patchett has a new book that's coming out. Right. And um, I knew Patsy by Nicole Dennis Ben was coming out and I really loved her first book. So I think it's a mix of stuff like that. You know, like who has books coming out? I still haven't read mm-hmm. Ruth Ware's um, The Death of Mrs. Westaway. And one of my picks for book of the month this year was Turn of Key, which is her most recent book. So, yeah. Was that, that was pretty comprehensive Um, list. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's pretty good. And I would add even a few more things to it. I read book page. Mm -hmm. So that comes, that's a print publication. I don't know. I'm sure it's also online, but I I subscribe to it. So that comes, what I find with book pages um, and because probably because it's print, so their deadlines are like way earlier. I, I book page does plays that role that you're talking about, which is kind of affirming things that have already caught my eye right it's rare that i see something for the first time in book page because they're like usually coming out right at the time the book is coming out and i've already seen it around it by that point but it is a good it's like a good um affirmation or i'll look at you know then i'll read whatever their summary is and it kind of helps cement that that's a book i'm interested in also the indie next list i read that usually every month i either pick that up in print at the bookstore or it gets emailed to me and so i read that as well and i find that the indie li- list is pretty close in tune with books i'm generally interested in so that to me is a good source and then podcasts like i regularly listen to a number of podcasts that are hosted by people who i generally agree with as well so sarah's bookshelves live currently reading. I found some other ones lately. Um, and Bogle's podcast, of course, but those ones tend to also, and I, I, I like hearing people talk about it because mm-hmm. all the other things that I'm absorbing are printed or they're written as opposed to oral. So sometimes it's, you know, hearing someone talk about a book will make me much more interested in that book than I would, that I would have been otherwise. Right. Um, I would say with podcasts, like that's really a good, a good, a nice regular and very personal source of recommendations for me. Right. Yeah. Podcasts are really good. I have to be careful about them because as you know, I don't like, like, I don't like to hear a lot about a book before I've had to read it and for formulate my own opinion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think with Sarah, her listening to her podcast and like you said, currently reading a lot of these podcasts are good about not, not giving a lot of spoilers and you can just sort of around people's taste. And if it matches up with yours, kind of have a more accurate read of whether you will really like something 
or whether right. it's worthwhile to invest invest time in. Right. Or you know what's funny? We haven't even mentioned priority. blogs. Um, we haven't even mentioned blogs, which is just funny to me. Well, considering how we I, know each other. Right. I still, I mean, I still read some blogs. I still have my yep my feed up and running, so I check in with that. Yep. I read Grace Atwood's The Stripe. Like I will check in with her blog the first week of the month to read because she does a list of all of her picks. So there's some blogs that I actually definitely do seek out to see what they have been reading over the month. And they're not necessarily even book blogs. Sometimes these are lifestyle blogs Mm -hmm. who will include a list of what they read. And I, and I love to just check out what people are generally reading. I seem to absorb lately a lot of my blog content through Facebook because I follow the pages for the blog. So, or I've got an email feed from it. That's how I do it. Mostly email feed because then when I'm commuting or whatever, then I can just pull up that folder and just read those posts. Yep. Like Gilmore Guide, I generally see it first on email. I might see it later on Facebook and sometimes I see it even on Goodreads, but... Yeah, so well, Gilmore Guide. I just feel like I think of as my standard source. So I don't even know if yeah. I think of her as a blog anymore, Catherine. Yeah, or sometimes she has just emailed me like personally to talk about a book, so I see it that way. I have this friend who um, I'm trying to think of the name of her blog. Um, she she has read my blog for years. She lives in DC. We've never actually met, but we're Facebook friends. And she writes really short reviews, like a paragraph. Um, It's called read between the wines. So wine instead of line. And um, read between the wines. I'll link to it. Wines like wine glass, Mm. read between the glasses of wine. And she reads a ton of books. Yeah, she reads a ton of stuff. And she writes just like a paragraph review. So she's super quick. And like half the time it's stuff I've read and half the time it's stuff she's learned about from my blog because she reads so fast. So she's got lots and lots of books on there. And uh, we have a lot of really similar taste. And um, I get hers on email. So and it takes me like 10 seconds to read her reviews because they're super short and they're very helpful. Hmm. I don't see it. Read between the lines read between the wines it's lspectordc.com so l-s-p-e-c so t-o-r-d-c.com so that's the url okay i just got a book from the library that she recommended that i'd never heard of before called the housekeeper and the professor have you ever read that book oh i've heard of that i wanted to read that so she calls it a top 20 lifetime read. When you read as many books as she does, top five is definitely not enough. So she's top 20. And she said it is pretty close to a perfect book. So I just got that out of the library. But I just, uh, I like her taste a lot. Mm, she didn't like Nickel Boys so, by Colson Whitehead. Did she not like that? She, well, she gave it three stars. To me, a three-star review is, mm, yeah, it's like don't that. read it. <laughs> yeah. I'm still yeah. going to read that book. That is, I think that's a pretty good look at where I find stuff. Occasionally I'll get stuff in a bookstore. Like, you know, you look and see what staff is recommending in the bookstore, but I don't go in a bookstore that frequently. Yeah. I try to get into a bookstore a couple of times a month. Like I, I yeah, make I mean, it I my treat. Good to do that. Mm-hmm. To go in and get something. And then there's publishers' emails. Yep. Like I get a, I get those and people sending me but advanced yeah. copies of things. I have to say I am paying less and less attention to publisher emails because they're biased. I mean, like there'll be like summer reading picks and then I sort of have to like remind myself. I get so much book-related email that I start to like, for, they all blend together and then I forget if, is this like a Simon and Schuster email or is this a Ann Bogle email? Like I have to like sort of think, is this a, coming from an objective source or is it coming from a publisher who's obviously pushing their books? And when I see that it's from a publisher, I tend to like pay a little less attention 
or I just give it less credence. Yeah, I think those I tend to, because like I said, I've usually looked them up from other sources and I already have my own opinions of it. When I look them up, I'm really not, I'm just like, oh, what are they pushing kind of thing? Like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. I've seen that has been on a, a bunch of lists or what they're really getting behind more so than, oh, they're telling me about something I want to read. Right. Interesting. So you're looking at it from an industry perspective. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, because I don't really, you know, me with blurbs and with what publishers say. I understand that you're doing your job, but you're not really useful for me. <laughs> Yeah. In that respect, because right. I know right. what I like. If I'm interested in something, I mean, some it just really depends, too, on the publisher. I mean, if, if I'm getting an email from Knopf, that's a lot different than if I'm getting an email from Berkeley or something. And not that I don't like Berkeley books, Berkeley or Gallery, because there are those books that, that I want to read that are from those imprints. But I feel like anything from... Maybe Knopf, Doubleday, Nantalese, Viking. They're just going to, they just more align with my general tastes. So that anything I see in those emails echo, I just, they're probably books that I already know about because those are type, they're literary fiction imprints and those are the types of books that I like. So when I get an email from them about books, then it's different as opposed to something that I know that I generally don't like books like that. Be like getting a, you know, getting an email from Avon. I know that as well-meaning or as informative as the publisher is trying to be, I'm probably not going to want anything that she's mentioned. Right. (laughs) So. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty exhaustive um, examination of (laughs) our, book recommendations so i have what have before we get into august picks i've had i have book news Ooh, what's that i was on actually i was thinking about this podcast and what went to look up one of my book sources that i normally like l does a monthly list i think a monthly roundup of what they do and so as i was trying to look through this look for this list because i feel like it's always if you're not on the website on the day that it comes out is always buried somewhere. And I was trying to find it. And I came across this article about Delia Owens and where the crawdad sings and how this was all based on a real murder because, you know, she did a lot of conservation writing and stuff like that. And there was an unsolved, unsolved murder of a poacher that, you know, people apparently when this, when crawdads came out, people started emailing this, reporter and telling him oh this sounds so much like the story that you wrote about them yeah i i sort of glanced at that so and then there was like some murder that she was tangentially related to or someone in her family was accused of or something well it was the murder of this poacher like she has always studied wildlife and i guess her and her husband are big conservationists and they had already been kicked out of one country or had gotten into some trouble with a country and I believe that they went to was it is it Zambia that they went to and tried you know tried to get involved in conservation get involved with the government to sponsor conservation projects there I think for elephants and lions and I don't know there's something about there's a shoot to kill law and there was a documentary that was being filmed in 1986, I think, because I guess they were already just had some sort of, if uh, I guess, fame or infamy or whatever. They had been kicked out of Bots- Botswana. And so they went to Zambia and became involved there. And I guess there's a shoot to kill law that involves poachers, but they were filming a documentary about them and a a killing was caught on video. And I think several people shot this one poacher, but it was her husband Mm -hmm. and her stepson who were involved and they were being investigated. So basically they were told that they should leave the country. So they're still wanted for this investigation and they never, did return. I think the United States, the government or whoever was advising them told them 
it would not be advisable or safe for them to return, you know, because they were being questioned for this. 15, 20 years later, she is writing about, you know, they just talk about the main elements of the plot in terms of it being the innocent conservationist against a a bad person. And Mm -hmm. as we know, wilderness and the environment played such a big role in where the crawdads sing. So, and also the accusation of a crime. Yeah, the accusation of a crime, someone turning up dead and getting and getting away with it. I mm-hmm. guess is the key thing. I mean, of course, I yeah. think anything like that would be formative and definitely something that you would base a novel on. So, you know, no one has any idea of how closely these two events correlate or whether anyone got away. I mean, it was caught on film and they wanted to to question for it. And I think there were just complications of the law in terms of what you can get away with when someone is on your property or if someone's poaching. But I haven't read the entire article because it was really long. And then it linked to a New Yorker article that came out in 1990, in the 1990s at some point. So I will report back if I have, if I get any more clarity, but if people have read the book and they're interested in how life influences art, then you should check out these articles on slate. I think there's one on slate and there's one on L I'll send you the link scale so that you can include them. I came across one of them and sent it around to my book club because we had read Crawdads, but I sort of just skimmed it. And I admitted to them, I said, I haven't really read most of it because <laughs> it was really long. <laughs> TLDR. Right. Should we move on to our August picks? Yeah. Why don't you start? So we'll do these quickly. I have about five or six books. I wonder if you and I pick the same ones. So these are books that we have mined our various recommendations sources for and books that are coming out in August. Actually, I have one in July and the rest of these are August. So the first one is a July book. It's called Turbulence by David Zalay, S-Z-A-L-A-Y. And this is a collection of linked stories about people who cross paths while on airplanes. So I think like each chapter is about a different airport and a different destination. And it's about what's happening to these characters on these planes and that each one sort of impacts somebody that turns out to be the basis for the next chapter. Have you heard anything about this book or this author? Mm-mm. I don't know anything about him either, but it just sounded kind of cool. That came out on July the 16th. So it's already been out for about two and a half weeks, but I just thought that sounded good. Yeah, I like the idea of that linked stories mm-hmm. in that way where one Some- character shows up in the next one. Yep. I have The Perfect Wife by J.P. Delaney c- coming out or came out on August 6th. I have read both of J.P. Delaney's books, The Girl Before, and I cannot think of the name of the other one. And I, I have liked them both. He... The Girl Before was about this very strange house that an architect has constructed, and he allows people to live there, and I believe it's for a nominal amount or it's just free, but you have to observe these very strict rules about, like, he doesn't, the house is sort of, in his estimation, perfectly designed, so if you if you like books, like, you're not allowed to have books out, nothing Nothing can be on display in the apartment beside what it is. So it's about this woman who moves there and how she and this architect might be linked to a crime that had taken place in that house before. And the second book that he wrote, now that I can remember the name, is Believe Me. And it is about this woman who she works with a private investigator to help him entrap cheating husbands but then one of the cheating husband's wives turns out to be dead and she gets involved in this sting with the police that is supposed to be bringing him down for the murder but then it becomes 
becomes apparent that maybe she's also a suspect for this crime. So it's all entangled and you don't really know what has happened between them, what's what either of their relationship is to the police and whether they're trying to entrap each other. So it's called Believe Me and it was really good. So then this one is The Perfect Wife. It's about someone who wakes up she was missing. And I guess when she is found and she awakens, she doesn't have any idea of who she is. She's not sure whether her husband, she's not sure who the man that she's with, he's supposed to be her husband. I think that she doesn't really have any memory. So she doesn't, she's not sure if he really is her husband and if he is at all complicit in what has happened to her. So he, re- he writes really great mysteries. Like I've really enjoyed his mysteries so far. So I'm looking forward to this one. Okay, my next pick is called The Summerlings by Lisa Howarth, H-O-W-O-R-T-H. It came out on August 6th. And this is a Cold War coming-of-age story about three best friend boys. It's the summer of 1959. They live in Washington, D.C. And it's all about what's going on this summer. And they kind of have their own intrigues going on and... They have various adventures that they're on and mysteries they're trying to solve, but it's really the story of like what's going on in their houses and their parents. One of them is potentially a spy and they're sort of like these kids are sort of spying on their parents. So you get to see what's happening with the parents through the eyes of these kids. Sounds like it's a fun, probably for people who are from DC because there's lots of DC history in it and historical fiction, I guess you could say, because it takes place in 1959. But I think it's also supposed to be sort of a sweet book about summertime and these friendships. So I've read about this in a few places and it keeps catching my eye. So my next one is something that I normally probably would not read. It's it's a memoir. I wouldn't say I normally would not read it. That's not accurate. I just feel like I have not read too much nonfiction this year. But this one is called, I'm going to say her name is Haven. And Haven Gurma, it's about this woman. She's deaf and she's blind, but she graduated from Harvard Law School. And it's just, it just talks about her journey. Her parents survived the 30 year war that happened between Eritrea and Ethiopia. So they were refuge- refugees from that. And she grew up in different places in the United States. She also pioneered some technology that was helpful like some kind of text to braille communication system that just allows for greater, greater communication among the blind. It just sounds like that she was involved in, has overcome a lot of obstacles and has just lived a very full life. They talk about her meeting President Obama and, you know, some of her experiences in Louisiana. And she just seems like she had a full life. Yeah, it'll be interesting to read. The Deafblind Woman Who Conquered Harvard Law is the subtitle to this memoir. I saw that one. It caught my eye. I can't imagine going to Harvard Law School blind or deaf. Mm -hmm. It's hard enough to go to Harvard Law School sighted and hearing. So I thought that was a great title and I was really intrigued by it. So I'm going to be very interested to know what you think of it. My next pick is The Yellow House. Oh, I want to read that one. Yeah, this is also a memoir. And it is about a house in New Orleans that has seen a whole lot. Um, It was about, it's about, it says it's, the yellow house tells a hundred years of the author's family and their relationship to home in a neglected area of one of America's most, most mythologized cities. So it's in this part of New Orleans that, kind of has risen and fallen and I think also was definitely affected by Katrina. And it's about this woman who raised a whole bunch of kids in this house and the history of the family told through the house. I thought this looked really good. This next book that I'm about to mention is by one of your favorite authors. You know, we had a show a while back where you said you didn't want to pick on this book because you felt like you mentioned it every time in terms of being a book that you didn't like. And I had guessed something different and you had said you weren't going to mention again what it was. I think it was probably the submission by Amy Walsman and Mm. Amy Walsman has a new book called 
the, a door in the earth that's coming out the end of August. And it looks like it should, it looks like it should be, it should be good. I think I picked that up at Book Expo. Did you? Wait, did you say she is one of my favorite authors? Or no, she's, she's not, not one of your favorite author. authors. I think that you, yeah. it, this was probably the book that you were talking about that you had mentioned several oh, that times I didn't that you didn't keep like. On. Right. And you, you weren't going right. to mention it again. And I was like, and I think I had guessed, what was the book about that? that oh, house? you were guessing it was Carol, Carousel Court. Yeah, Port. I was guessing it was Carousel yeah. Court. Yeah, no, said, I think no, you're right. It, it wasn't was a submission. And, and so as I, I'm about to mention this book by Amy Waldman. It occurred to me that you were probably talking about the submission. Yeah. I picked that up at Book Expo because I kind of want to give her another chance. So you felt like the writing was good? Yeah, the writing was fine. I think. Well, we, we've talked uh, at length about that book. Yeah. She's a journalist, right? And the writing right. feels very journalistic. And as we for know whatever from Bad Blood, me, that doesn't. Yeah. Work. For whatever reason, it didn't work for me with uh, the submission. But uh, this one, remind me of the fact pattern on this one. It says it's about the journey of a young Afghan-American woman trapped between her ideals and the complicated truth. Like it's about a woman. She's a college senior. She is doing some some studies. She lives in Northern California in an Afghan community. And I think she makes a discovery and she has the chance to she has a chance to travel and study in this remote village and i think she runs into trouble there like the vil- the it's a village where she's supposed to be working in a maternity clinic and things just are not what she expects them to be and the military is involved and there's an ambush so i think it's mm-hmm. just kind of investigating themes that seem like they are ones that that are attractive to her just the US military the contention between the United States and some of its immigrant community Mhm Okay my next book is called Going Dutch Oh I read that and it's by Oh you read mm-hmm. it Is it cute or no I wouldn't say it's not cute I mean it's it's I think it's seriously written it's not if you're thinking that it's going to be a light book, it's not a light book, but why don't you describe what it's about? Ah, okay. Uh, it's by James Greger, and it is about a gay guy who is befriended by a woman and about their kind of complicated relationship. Well, I don't know. You, you've you read it, so I think you would be much better to summarize it than I No, I just think I want to hear you summarize it because I want to be able to tell you whether it's going to meet your expect what you your expectations are well I mean I've just read I just read about it and I'm just reading from Amazon but that then he gets involved with someone and she like I don't know it's I guess it's about entertainment weekly calls it a comedy of manners that maybe that's why I thought it was going to be light but I guess it's sort of this analysis of the relationship between these two, which is not a sexual or romantic relationship, but they're very good friends. And I guess how they're each affected by meeting other people. I don't know. Is that Sarah? I have no idea if that's right. As did not finish. That's funny. Oh, really? You know, I think that this, first of all, I would not categorize it as light. You would or would not. not. Or a comedy of manners. It is... I would say it's sort of biting and satire. Like the people are very sharp, acerbic. It's very snappy, but. Okay. I don't know. I just think a lot of people are not going to like this just because of the themes that are explored and the choices that he makes. I mean, this is about a gay guy who is struggling at his university, a very wealthy woman is she's attracted to him and she wants to, she offers to help him with his studies. And basically they, they become, they spend so much time together that it changes the trajectory of his relationship with his friends. And she's sort of a loner. So there's lots of questions about the nature of their relationship. What are the expectations of a relationship? You know, who's taking advantage of whom in here they form um, a very close friendship. And then what happens is he meets someone who he's very interested in romantically. 
And how does that play into his relationship that he has established with someone who is basically, you know, helping him to stay in school and also helping him financially? It was a lot of interesting questions, I think. Sounds really good. Were explored, but it is. I don't know. I feel like it's, I mean, it has three stars on Goodreads right now, which is, that probably means Mm -hmm. people, when I see something like that, it's a love it or hate it kind of thing. And I really enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a stylized book. I want to say like you have to, it has a style and it's intricate and the characters, if you like to like your characters, then you should not read this book. Everything you're saying about it makes me want to read it more. Right. No, I'm not saying that you, I think it, I, I really enjoyed it. I think that you might like yeah. it. I'm just hesitant. You know, when you describe something as light, this was not like, it It wasn't okay. light like that. I think there's a, a lot of heft to this, but it was also a lot of, I guess maybe the humor could be in that it was a sort of satire of, of what it means to be wealthy, what it means to be a gay man in New York, you know, what it means to be um, someone who is getting a graduate degree. I think that there are elements of truth and humor that can be found there. Or when you mm-hmm. might say that things are, are kind of accurate, but I also do not think, like if you like to like people <laughs> mm-hmm. and like your main characters, then maybe not this. Right. Okay. What do you got? I really like that. So there's this novel called They Could Have Named Her Anything by Stephanie Jimenez. And it says it's about racism, class, and betrayal in this poignant debut novel about restoring the broken bonds of family and friendship. Now, I'm not sure. This is on little a. So I'm not sure if this is YA or if it's an adult novel about teenagers. But I'm very interested in reading it. It talks about this 17-year-old from a close-knit family in Queens who attends a private high school on the Upper East Side. She's she's like one of the only students of color there. And she forms a friendship with a girl named Rocky, who's from a very wealthy family. And it seems like all she wants to do with her wealth is to, I guess, provoke her parents and get away with as much as possible. So it's all about the unlikely friendship that they form. And it's one of those male, female, not male, female, 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 female friendship relationships that is equal parts, I think, loving, but also jealousy and competitiveness. Mm-hmm. So I want to read that. Sounds like YA, actually. Yeah, it might be. Just from the way you're describing it. It might be YA. I believe the publicist for this sent me an email asking if it's something I might be interested in. So I might take her up on that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm really interested. It's already out. It came out August 1st. So the cover looks like it's YA. It's funny how you can just tell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my next book, and I, we may have talked about this. Um, I, I'm really excited to read this one. It's called The Other's Gold by Elizabeth Ames. Mm. I got this one at Book Expo, and it is about four women who are assigned to the same suite during their freshman year and follows them after they leave college and get into relationships and stuff. It's a joyful, bitter, big-hearted book that perfectly evokes the bittersweet experience of falling in love with friendship. I'm so, like, how joyful. I'm a sucker for those four. For right. <laughs> Hopefully not too joyful because then it'll be boring. Like, we don't want them um, to be too joyful. <laughs> yeah. It's blurbed by Jessamine Ward and Celeste Ng. Ooh. And it's one of the Vogue 10 new books to read this summer. So, I don't know. This just sounds up my alley. Yeah, it does. So, I definitely want to read it's that one. my alley, too. It comes out at the end of the month. These college books, yeah, these August college 27th. friends. And especially if there's, especially if there's four of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Something about the four. Something about the four. Um, Okay. I have one more. Do you still have any to go? I have one more too. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So my next one is this book called When I Was White by Sarah Valentine. It's a memoir. It's about this woman who grows up as a white 
girl in Pittsburgh, but then she discovers that her father was a black man. And I think she's 27 when she figures it out. And her family, I guess, has her white family has gone to great lengths to protect her from the fact or protect her to not disclose to her the fact that her father was a black man. And she goes about trying to unearth what happened and this other part of who she is. Mm, Sounds good. Yeah. What's the author? Sarah Valentine. Oh, right. It's an examination of the cost of being black in America and how one woman threw off the racial identity she'd grown up with in order to embrace a new one. Okay. So my last one is also coming out on August 27th. It's called Bottle Grove by Daniel Handler. And this could be really good or really not good. I can't tell. (laughs) It's a story. It says a razor sharp tale of two couples, two marriages, a bar and a San Francisco startup from a best-selling award-winning novelist. So it's about a wedding starts out with a wedding in San Francisco and there's a whole bunch of stuff happening. There's the, it's told to the perspective of like the people who are at the wedding and people who are in this park where the wedding's being held. And it says it's set in San Francisco as the tech boom is exploding. It's a sexy skewering dark comedy about two unions, one forged of love and the other of greed. So it could be like totally over the top. I don't know. There's a lot in this description or it could be good. I can't tell. It's the reviews are in Amazon come from Esquire, Publishers Weekly, Booklist, and Emma Straub. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Caught my eye. It's only 240 pages. There are a couple of books I just want to mention really briefly. I said at the top of the show that Turn of Key was coming out. It's the new Th- Ruth Ware book. So actually, that was out on August 6th. 6th. There is a book called Devotion, which I've talked about quite a bit, that's coming out on August 13th. Mm. I won't even go to that again. It's Devotion by Madeline Stevens. I really liked it. So that's going to be out. I've talked about it a bunch of times. Uh, Going Dutch was one that I just read that um, Gail is interested in. There is a book called Supper Club that I am in the middle of reading. I haven't finished reading it. That came out, I believe, in July, which is really interesting. It's about this this young woman out of college who forms a group with other women. And what they do is they break into different spaces in the night and hold these all-female supper clubs where they just basically gorge themselves on all different... I mean, they just prepare these feasts and indulge and gain weight. And just like what the impl- hmm. what the social implications of are that like what's driving that, so I haven't finished it yet, but it is out. And okay, so that was that. And I just wanted to briefly do my book of the month. Tell you my book of the month picks. Oh yeah, what'd you pick? Um, so there's a novel called Dominicana, which is out by Angie Cruz, which I had wanted to read, so I was super excited when they had it because then I could just get it from them. It says, get in the head of the most resilient girl in the 1960s Dominican Republic and NYC, and maybe even the world. So I won't go into heavy descriptions, because I know we have been chatting for quite a bit of time. That's the book that um, Siobhan previewed on Sarah's show. So for further discussion, listen to that episode of Sarah's show. Then turn mm-hmm. the turn of the key, which is the new Ruth Ware, which I said I still have the death of Mrs. Westaway to do. But this one is described as a jumpy read that feels like putting together a puzzle piece. I'm all in on that one. The other choices this month, there was a romance called Well Met. It says it's a cute romance that makes us kind of want to go to a Renaissance fair. Shakespeare, knowledge not <laughs> required. So that was uh, just... The Whisper Man is said, unsettling, spooky, and a little gruesome at times. Read with the lights on because the creep factor is real here. So I didn't want that. And that Yeah, that book is getting lots of buzz. You've seen it a lot of places? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I said, I've been down a rabbit hole because work has been so busy, so I've never even heard of it. What's the buzz okay. on it? 
I don't know. You I just, just if you heard it or I've just seen it around. <laughs> You've seen it around multiple times and you're just like, it's getting so much yeah. buzz. I've seen it out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> walking the streets. So did you, did you read that book? No, you didn't read the book, but had you heard of the book, All the Ugly and Wonderful Things? Yes. Um, the one that came out a couple years yeah. ago. Wait, what is that one about? Isn't that one? I think it's about, I feel like it is about an inappropriate, is an inappropriate age um, yeah. book. I think the man I think who's I started involved may be, he's much older and I think she's not, a te- she may be 12. Yeah. The age different was something. I think I took that out of the library and I think I like, I started it and then I did, I, I did return it. Like I did, I didn't think I was going to mm-hmm. like it. But I think maybe the style of the writing or something, for whatever reason, I ended up not reading so it. So it's a repeat author for them. And so um, that author has a, Bryn Greenwood has a book called out called The Reckless Oath We Made. I didn't read the other one. So under their good to no points, they're like, it's 400 plus pages, multiple viewpoints. It's snarky, but then they said it's quirky. Hmm. And, you know, quirky is one of those things for me that, you know, I've read some quirky books and I've enjoyed them and they were good, but I feel like I resist them. Yeah. Yeah, that's quirky is usually a turn off for me. So I think that's our show. All right. Well, lots of good stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff for August. So we will have links to all the books in the show notes. I've got an upcoming vacation and I know we're going to do another show before I go. So we can maybe we can chat then I'll give you my the rundown vacation list. Yeah, you can help me pare How it down. Long is this vacation? It's about uh, 11 days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully I'll have some time to okay. read. It's one, it's, a, it's one of those, like, lots of travel between locations, so it's not like oh. sit-by-the-pool type vacation. Right. Yeah. So we'll be back then, and until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. 